the uh, themes of uh, the Musav Dike Shemana Esrei on Rosh Hashanah, namely Malfi Zechoni Shofris, seem to be re- not necessarily restricted to Musaf and Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Rosenzweig spoke a little bit about it in his uh, talk. The Pashtas says that these are the themes of all of the Aseris in Eichuva. And the Pashtas says the idea is that the uh, Adam was created on Rosh Hashanah, and every year at the beginning of the year, the Rabbi wants us to review explicitly uh, the Ikori Huemunah, and we should uh, proceed to live through the whole year based on those zikara, that uh, these principles of faith that we believe in. Now, the Rambam lists off what he considers are the 13 zikara huamuna. Rabbi Yosef Alba writes that basically they boil down to three. Malchus and Shafis represent the three zikara huamuna. And uh, the truth of the matter is that there are really more than 13 zikara huamuna. So I'd like to concentrate on one of those, which is not mentioned in the listing of the Rambam, a very important teacher, namely the principle of Bechiras Yisrael. We believe in the fact that we are the chosen nation. Uh, it's not too conspicuous when you have uh, so many people under siege in Eretz Yisrael and the Jews are being attacked all over the world and burning down shuls and there's so much anti-Semitism. Like in the concentration camps, the Jews were davening on being they were being killed. So even though it's uh, not noticeable, we still believe in the Sikr and Amunah. We believe in the Iker, we believe in the principle of Malchias, that God is the king over the world. If you look around the world, it, it's a big, deep, dark secret. You would never guess that there is a, a Lord in heaven above who is in charge of this world. And in fact, that's what the rabbis comment on the Pasuk uh, in the end of Parshish B'Shalach, when the incident of Amalek appears in the Chumash, so it says that God swears by his throne, God swears by his throne. So the throne should be written Kisei. A Kisei is a throne. How come it's written Kes, Chav Samach, missing an Aleph? So Rashi quotes the famous comment from the Tanoim, that ain't Hakisei Sholem, Kozman, that we have uh, this problem of evil, there's such wicked people in the world. You look at the world today, you wouldn't believe that God, uh, that God is in control of anything. You wouldn't know that there is a God. God is a Kelmistata. He's really hiding. The Novi Yishai describes God as the hiding God. Kelmistater. So the Malchus is not apparent at all. And nonetheless, we believe in the fact that HaKadosh Baruch is the Melech. Uh, it's interesting, the commentaries on the Gemara point out that Yerushalayim, the name Yerushalayim appears 650 times uh, throughout the Tanakh. And all of the times that it appears, it's missing the Yud at the end. It's spelled, that's the way they spell an Iksub and a Get. My daughter was married in Yerushalayim a few years ago. They spell it an Iksub and a Get like that. Yud, Resh, Vav, Shin, Lamed, Mem. Missing a Yud at the end. How come it's missing a Yud? And in three places in Tanakh, out of the 660 Samad cases, three places the name Yerushalayim is written Molay with the Yud. Why? So the commentaries explain that those three places are speaking about Lossi Lava. After the Malchus of HaKadosh Baruch will be complete, there will no longer be a problem of evil in the world, and it will be apparent and obvious that HaKadosh Baruch is the Melech Olam. Then the Kisei Yisholot, then you see the Malchus of HaKadosh Baruch But as long as HaKadosh that we have this Amalek around, and we have uh, the problem of evil, and it's a deep, dark secret that there is a Melech Olam who is running things, and it's not obvious at all, so the Kisei is not Sholem. And the Tanakh describes the Novi Yirmiyot says that Yerushalayim is the Kisei Hashem. That's where the throne of God is going to be. So just like the Kisei is not Sholem, so the spelling of the name Yerushalayim is not Sholem. Until Asi Lavoi, 
when the, when the Kisei will be Shalem, then Yerushalayim will be Shalem. Yerushalayim is the Kisei Hashem. So there are many Korahu Amunah which are not too obvious at all. In fact, it would appear as if uh, the Hepach, the opposite, is true. So too, this principle of Bechiris Yisrael, it's a Pasuk in today's Parsha, Kechelak Hashem Amu Yankev Chavon Lachalos, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has chosen the Jewish nation to be the Yam HaNivchan. That's how we mention all the time. That's how we start off the... The Yant of Dikishman Esrei in the Kiddush on Shabbos Kaseki. Bona Bacharta Masana Kiddashto. He chose us as the Yam HaNifchar. So we believe in this principle even though it's not too obvious at all and even though it would appear as if uh, it's not so. We believe in this, in this Iker and Amunah. What exactly is included in this Iker and Amunah? What, what does it uh, require of us? So number one, the Talmud has a principle that appears in many different contexts, a principle of Adam Chashuv Shiny. Sometimes something is, strictly speaking, something that is permissible. Gemara has it by Bishalakum, Gemara has it in many, in Arachayim, in Yeridei, in Abenezer, but in all areas of Halacha, that there are cases where something, strictly speaking, is permissible. And nonetheless, if it's a, if it's a rabbi, if it's a prominent individual in the community, he shouldn't rely on that heter, he should be machmer. What's the idea of Adam Chashev Shani? So it's very obvious. Everybody looks up to the rabbi and they all think, well, the rabbi, we expect much more of him than of anybody else. So whatever the rabbi does, the layman can act uh, ten madregas low. So, the, so if the rabbi is just going to follow what the din is, what it says in Shulchan Ach, and the balabatim is going to be ten madregas lower, so they're going to be violating the din. So the rabbi has to be machmer al That's what the Shulchan Aruch quotes from the Gemara. Adam Chashuv, shiny. The rabbi, the prominent figure who everybody is looking up to, has to, has to lead his life a little differently. So too, the Torah tells us that we are the chosen nation. It means that the nations of the world are looking up to us. They're supposed to be looking up to us. And the Navi tells us we are supposed to serve as the Or Lagoim, the light unto the nations. Light unto the nations in what area? We have to be medactic in Taras HaMishpacha, and Shabbos and Kashris. What is it there, Asik? What do they know what I'm doing in my, uh, my home, in my kitchen, in my bedroom? Or Lagoim doesn't mean in the area of Shabbos, Kashris, Taras HaMishpacha. It means in decency, it means honesty in business. It means if you have a fellow, we all know that he's a gangster. We all know that he cheats in business, so we shouldn't give him after Yonah. And we shouldn't give him Shlishi. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be mechabin him in shul. We shouldn't give him all the kibudin. Even if, he, even if he bids. Even if he bids and he buys the aliyah. But the gaboim should know not to let him buy the aliyah. How can you be mechabin such a person? That's what it means, or lagoyim. The nations of the world should see the way we feel that honesty is, a, is an important thing. And, and decency is important. And if a person is a miserable person, we're not mechabin him. So they should learn from us. We're supposed to serve as an Orla Goyim in this area. It doesn't mean Orla Goyim in the, in the Ben Odom Lamakam area. The principle of Bechiris Israel is also relevant with respect to the issue of anti-Semitism. I think it was uh, when Rabin was first appointed Prime Minister and he gave his first address to the Knesset, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was the one who said, we will no longer be... In the Bechina of Heinam Levadot Yishkon of Agoyim Lo Yishchashov, that the Jewish people are always isolated and we always lead a different style of living and nobody ever cares for the Jews. No, we're, uh, we're entering into a new era and we're going to get along with all the nations in the Middle East and all the nations in the world and no longer be any anti Semitism. Chalamas, as they say in German, says Chalamas. 
What do you mean? That's a pasuk in Tanakh. Enam levod that Yishkanam agoyim by Yitzchashav is a description of the state of the Jewish people. Calls man, we are the Amanich. It's always going to be like that. They always, in every generation, they gave different explanations as to the roots of the anti-Semitism. There were always political explanations and economic explanations and sociological explanations. The Jews are the communists. Or the Jews are the capitalists. Always contradicting each other. There's so many different Hezber. There is no Hezber. The Tanakh tells us that the fight between Yankif and Esau began before they were born. They didn't get along. It says, by They were fighting with each other before they were born. They knew each other so well that they, were, they, they had gripes with each other. It's a built-in machlokes. It's a built-in fight between good and evil. And that's what the rabbis of the Talmud tell us, that we have a tradition. It doesn't mean every Nochri hates every Jew. That's not so. The rabbis say, who is Esav is a, is a discussion. But Esav is that's built in. That's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created it. And what is that tackle all about? Why is there such, a, uh, uh, such an institution that it's built in that they can't get along? So the Kuzari has his famous comment. He quotes the Gemara in Masech Shabbos, where the Gemara says that Har Sinai is described in Tanakh with different names for the mountain. So it's also known as Har Chorev. So which is the real name and which is the nickname? So there's a whole discussion in the Talmud. So one popular opinion that the Kuzari quotes is, the real name for the location is Har Chorev. And the name Har Sinai is the nickname. And what is it a nickname? Why, do they, why was it given the nickname? Because the word Sinai comes from the name Sina. Shemisham Yorda Sina Lo'elam. Baruch revealed himself to the Jewish people and he gave us the Torah. And he offered the Torah to the other nations of the world according to our tradition. And they all turned it down. No one wanted to accept the Torah. So only the Jewish people accepted the Torah. We were chosen to be the Yam So The other nations of the world felt guilty. When they look at the Jewish people, they feel guilty. We could have also accepted the Torah. We could have also observed the mitzvahs to the same extent that the Jewish people. If they would have tried, they could have also observed it. So they look at the Jewish people, sometimes they're jealous over the fact that we accepted the Torah, and sometimes they have subconsciously this attitude of anger, and they're angry at themselves, why they didn't, why they didn't accept the Torah. Or they're angry at God, they don't want to accept the Torah, so they take their anger against HaKadosh Baruch Hu out against the Jewish people. The anti-Semitism is not because of any of the political or the economic or the sociological explanations, because the Jewish people are the Yam Hashem. We are the Amanif who represent HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we shouldn't try to have any chaloimists to delude ourselves into thinking that if we'll do this thing or we'll do the other thing, we will no longer be in the B'china V'hinam Levadad Yishkin. That's the way it's going to be. That's a curse, but it's a blessing. That's what the Rabbi Shalom was Kaveh, that the Bnei Yisrael are the Yamanif. It's always going to remain like that. We don't have to fall to pieces over the fact that there's anti-Semitism because we know it's always going to be like that. And we don't have to devote ourselves that we're ever going to rectify, we're ever going to straighten out the mess. It's always going to remain like that, sure. We have to learn to, to cope with it, as we have for the last uh, several thousand years. And the issue of being the Yama Nifchar is also relevant for a third Indian, namely, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls us, B'ni B'chori Yisrael, B'arim Atem L'Hashem Alakeichem. We are the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are singled out. We have the same genes. The children have the same genes as the parents. We can identify some of the dead bodies were identified based on the DNA of the parents. 
to identify a body based on the DNA of the parents is not as good as based on his own DNA, but it's still, it's one chance in a five billion. Instead of five billion, trillion, zillion, it's also uh, 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 a It's, a, it's a, a, an excellent way to identify a person. We have genes from HaKadosh Baruch direct. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Eilogof, but we are the Yama Nifcha in this sense. And there's more Hashgoch HaPratis on B'nai Yisrael than there is on the Yuma Sa'elom. We say Rosh Hashanah, Echad B'Tishrei, the first day of Tishrei is the beginning of the new year. So it's not exactly so for all intents and purposes. The Mishnah tells us that the laws of Shemitah, if you have a Shemitah year, so the laws of Shemitah have to be observed from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. The laws of Yavu begin with respect to Hafrashas, Trumas, and Maisras. It depends on Rosh Hashanah. But as far as Jewish history is concerned, the rabbis of the Talmud say it's not so. When you appoint the king, and the practice used to be in the days of the Tanaim, they would write down in all legal documents, the government would always insist you should write down how many years it is since HaKamas HaMadina, since the establishment of the government. Sometimes in America they have like that also, in rare documents. They write down uh, how many years it is since the establishment of the United States of America in 1776. I think there are such documents. I once saw, I forgot what it was already. So in the days of the Tanaim, that was a common practice. The government, the Goisha governments used to insist. In every country in the world, you used to insist you have to write down how many years it is since Hakamas Amdida of, uh, of that particular government of that country. So the rabbis point out in the Mishnah, what do you mean? Every year when it comes July 4th, you add on another year. So you have to remember in every country when this king was appointed king, when the government began. So, so you have to go remember so much. So the Mishnah says, no, the practice used to be, and the Rishonim say this is not just a conventional practice, this is a halacha that if it's a non-Jewish government that was appointed in a, in a Goisha country, so if the king was appointed a week before Rosh Hashanah, when it comes to Echad B'Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, that's already the second year. Echad B'Tishrei is the Rosh Hashanah from non-Jewish history. But if you have a Jewish king over Eretz Yisrael is appointed, then it doesn't depend on Rosh Hashanah, it depends on Echad B'Nissen. When it comes to Rosh Chodesh Nissen, if he was appointed Purim time, or heir of Rosh Chodesh Nissen, when it comes to Rosh Chodesh Nissen, then it's considered already the next year, Shana Shniya. You don't wait till Chav Kimel Ador. You don't wait Miyom Liyom till a full year is up from the time he was appointed king. The Allah says, it's not Stam Aminig, the Rishonim say this is a din based on the Pasuk and Chumash, that Rosh Hashanah, Lamalcha Yisrael, begins with Rosh Chodesh Nissen. Why is this so? Why does it have to be a discrepancy between Jewish history and non-Jewish history? So the Netziv in his commentary on Chumash points out, on Parshas Boy, on that Pasuk, HaChodesh HaZelachem, Rosh Chodoshim, that Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the first month as far as Jewish history is concerned. What does that represent and why is it different from non-Jewish history? So he says, when the Rabbani Shalom created the world in Sheshis, made Bereshis, he established all the principles of, of nature. He established all the rules and regulations of chemistry and physics and biology and mathematics and astronomy and so on, and included in the, in the medicine, everything, and included in the principles of included in the laws of nature, are the principles of history. That there is a way to determine what the course of history will be, how history will develop. If you're, if you're familiar with all the facts, it's not because somebody assassinated somebody else. That's what brought out the First World War. Second World War. That, that was just that triggered the war. But there, were, there was a build-up. There were things, other, many other things that were happening. And if you know all the things that are happening, if you know all the principles, you know all the facts and all, you know the principles, then you can predict in advance what the outcome will be. You can predict 
the rise and fall of any given nation, with the exception of the Jewish people. The Jewish people, the Talmud tells us, ain't mazali Israel. And it's not stam line, it's not a fleeting passage in the Talmud. It's a whole sugya, a whole blot gemara. The gemara goes on and on and on and on, cases and stories. And that's a principle, ain mazali Israel. means, the Ramban HaKomish explains, that if you look into the stars, the stars don't control what's happening in the world. But if you look into the stars, if you know the Chachma, you will be able to figure out the rise and fall of history. You'll be able to figure out what's in store next. This is only true with respect to the history of the non-Jewish people. But as far as the history of the Jewish people is concerned, he writes several times in his commentary on Chumash, the Ramban writes, this is an Iker and Aramuna, that B'nai Yisrael alamayla menateva. Jewish history is not subject to rules and regulations. The Tanakh tells us when we observe God's mitzvahs, there'll be reward. The Jewish people will, will be successful. When we violate God's uh, mitzvahs, we will not be successful. Ramban says, does it make any sense to say that because we violated the laws of Shemitah, we will be sent into Golos? How does that make any sense? That's what it says in the Chumash. If you don't observe the laws of Shemitah, you will be sent into Golos. And the rabbis of the Talmud make a whole calculation. How many years did they, they were in Golos bubble for 70 years? It corresponded to the 70 years of Shemitah Yevil that they, they had violated during the period of the Bayes from the days they entered Eretz on the days of Yishul Ben-Nun to the times of the destruction of the first temple, there were 70 years that they had violated the laws of Shemitah. So the Ramban says, does this make any sense? That if you observe God's mitzvahs, then it rains. If you don't observe God's mitzvahs, it's not going to rain. When How does that make any sense? The answer is, it doesn't make any sense. If you're talking about a non-Jewish nation, the determination as to whether it's going to rain or not is based on the... The weather, uh, the weather prediction. There's a chachma how to figure out. The chachma is not so precise. Usually they, they guess wrong. The data novel usually guesses wrong. But, uh, but there is a bit of a chachma involved over there. As far as Jewish history is concerned, everything is lamayla menatebah. If the people observe God's mitzvahs, they will be rewarded. If they violate the averis, they will be punished and it won't rain and they'll be sent into Golos. So these two hanhogis, the hanhogis, of the history of the development of the history of the nations of the world is a hanhoga as opposed to the hanhoga the way the Jewish people's history develops that's a hanhoga of Lamaila that's all Nisim the history of the Jewish people is all involved all, all revolves about Nisim so that's what the Nitziv explains that's why the Rosh Hashanah for non-Jewish history for the kings of all the nations of the world is Echad B'Tishrei Echad betishrei. That's when God created the world. That's when God created Adam Arishon. That's when all the natural principles were, were laid down, were developed. The physical, the principles of physics and chemistry and biology and mathematics and everything else. So the principle of history were also developed. They were also set down, laid forth by Kodesh Baruch at that time. So that's why non-Jewish history begins its year with Echad betishrei. Jewish history begins its year with... Nisan. Nisan is the month of Gula, the Nisan, Nisan is the month of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and according to the tradition of the rabbis of the Talmud, Benisan Nigalu, Benisan Asidim Lehigoyal, the, the Gula's Mitzrayim was in the month of Nisan, and the Gula Asidim will take place in the month of Nisan. This principle of Ein Mazal Yisrael, that the history of the Jewish people is Lamaila Menateva, this is also a Toitzot, this is a result of the fact that the Bnei Yisrael were chosen, we are the Yam Hanifchar, we have a different style of Hanhoge. Everything is different by us. The Mabit, who was a contemporary of Rabbi Yosef Kare, lived in Tzfas at the same time. So the Mabit writes in his Sefer Beis Lakim a very interesting point. 
that uh, according, to the, according to the tradition of the rabbis in the Talmud, according to the Medrash, Avram Avinu and Sora, Bederach Atebe, should not have been able to give birth to any children at all. Avram Avinu was an Akkor, and Sora was, a, was an island, and Sora an Akkor, whatever it was. There shouldn't have been any Jewish people at all. So according to the rules of Teva, there couldn't be any B'nai Yisrael. There shouldn't be any Jewish people according to the Chukia Teva. The fact that the Jewish people exist is already L'mayla Men Teva. Sora was an Akara, and Rivka was an Akara, and Rachel was an Akara. Nothing worked. Nothing worked by the others. So the whole existence of the Klal Yisrael is L'mayla Men Teva. So you can't have any Chukia Teva governing this people. According to the rules and regulations of Sheshis Mebreshis, there shouldn't have been a Jewish people. The whole thing shouldn't have come into existence in the first place. So that's why Behechreach, it has to be that the Hanhog of the Jewish people is Lamayla Menateva. We often wonder, every day you read the newspapers, the newspapers don't carry the news, so the people who read Darut Sheva, you wonder how are we ever going to get out of this mess in Eretz Yitzhak, but Derechateva, this is impossible. So the answer is, in Ishken Kasha, it's not going to be by us. Nothing is b'derech ha'teva. We will daven to Hakadosh Baruch and we will get out of the mess. What does the Tanakh describe about the city Yericho? Yericho was fortified so garrison was to garrison Yitzchak bo. No one can get in. No one can get out. And what did Yeshua ben Nun do? The Rebbe Shalom told me he should march around seven days in a row and blow shofar and the walls came tumbling down. That's what it says in Tanakh. The non-believers don't believe that the Rebbe was the city Yericho. They don't believe that the walls ever fell down. It's like this. It's like that. It says in Tanakh, that's what happened. So that's what happened. We have a historical tradition that Yericho existed and there were walls around Yericho and the walls were impenetrable and with the Koyach HaTkiya Shoifer, the walls fell down. What's the Koyach HaTkiya Shoifer? It was such a, such a powerful blast that it shook the walls. No, the Tkiya Shoifer is a representation of, of davening, tefillah. The whole purpose of Shoifer is to elevate the Tefillah to the level of Tefillah Shiyesh Bodemois. The rabbi says, Yom Teruah. The Targumunkla says, Yom Yabovo. You're supposed to cry. The Tkiyas is a form of crying. It's like a person who davens to Rebbe Shalom. <coughs> so the Tanakh tells us the secret. If we daven with our hearts, with our full hearts, the Rebbe Shalom will cause the, the impossible to come true. The impenetrable city of Yericho. The walls will fall down. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we have a munah that the Rabbanu Shalom is going to show Nisimin of Lois, as he always has shown. Everything by the Jewish people is The rabbis point out in the Medrash <coughs> that some of the nations were afraid to start up with B'nai Yisrael when they were in the Midbar. Amalek started up, but the other nations were afraid to start up because they knew that this Moshe Rabbeinu, he's somebody special. Hashem was the greatest, highest level of a prophet. So the Medrash says on that pasuk, Hashem we're not going to mess around with the Jewish people. They have this tremendous prophet. We'll wait till after Moshe Rabbeinu dies, and then we'll be able to wage war. The secret they didn't know was the next phrase in the pasuk, Hashem Melech Bo Yeshua Benun is not the great Navi like Moshe Rabbeinu at all, but he knew how to blow shofar. With the Koyach of Shoifer, with the Koyach of the walls came tumbling down. He could also accomplish the impossible. They shouldn't have started up with Yeshua bin Nun either. That's how the rabbis comment on the Pesach. Hashem Mo was Moshe Rabbeinu that they knew not to start up. Was through as Melech Bo, the blowing of the Shoifer that Yeshua bin Nun did, that they didn't realize that he had that power. That's the power B'nai Yisrael still have. We don't have anybody on the Madrega of Yeshua bin Nun. We can all dive in together. We pray to the Banishal for the impossible. You're allowed to do that. 
He's not allowed to ask the Rebbeinu Shalom for a miracle. The Mishnah says if, if, if one's wife is expecting a baby, and it's chalishing to have a girl, it's chalishing to have a boy, whatever, now is not the time to pray. She's already expecting the baby. If you pray before your wife becomes pregnant, that's acceptable. But to pray, now Rebbeinu Shalom should make a miracle, you have no right to pray. However, it says in Shulchan Aruch, if you're asking for a miracle, B'nei Nister, or you're asking for a miracle for the Klal Yisrael, ain't Mazal Yisrael, the Jewish people, the Hanhok, is always L'mayla Benateva. That's par for the course. You can ask for a miracle. We pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He should help us out. Give us a Yeshua in Eretz Yisrael. If we'll be Zoycheh, he'll give us the Yeshua. The Talmud records the attitude of the early Christians, which is still prevalent among many of the groups of the Christians. Many of them believe in this and others don't. Many still believe that the Jewish people lost their status as being the Yam HaNifra. They used to be the Yam HaNifra, but when they rejected Osa Hoish, when they didn't accept uh, Jesus as God, so then we lost our status as the Yama Nifchar, and that's when the Holy Temple was destroyed. The history doesn't stim exactly 100%. All right. And uh, the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. Then the Jewish people were sent to Golos, never to return to Eretz Yisrael until the day will come that they will accept Yashke, till they will accept also Huish as the real God. Eretz Yisrael is the Eretz Hanifcheretz, it's the chosen land for the Yama Nifchar. And the Yama Nifchar now the Christians. The Jewish people are no longer the Yama Nifcha. This was the attitude of the early Christians mentioned in the Talmud. And this is still the attitude of many of the Christian groups. Some of them still believe the Jews are the Yama Nifcha. Others don't believe. Many don't believe. The rabbis of the Talmud in the first parak in Chagiga relate. They used to have debates. Like in the Middle Ages. In the days of the Tanaim, the days of Dharma, they used to have debates between the early Christians and the Jewish rabbis. So the Talmud says on one occasion there was a debate that was uh, held in pantomime. No words were spoken. They were just acting out their shita. So the uh, Christian, and this debate took place in the presence of uh, some uh, local uh, Christian ruler. So the uh, early Christian looks at the rabbi and he turns his back and he walks away. And he presented his theological argument. And then the rabbi, in response, he's called upon, now the rabbi has to respond, so he picks up his hand and he starts waving like this. So the king or the, or the local uh, administrator who was running the country didn't understand what's it gezokt, what's it gezokt, what did the guy say, what did the rabbi say, he didn't understand. So he calls the rabbi to the side, he says, explain to me, what did, the, what did the Christian say, what did you say? He says, simple, the Christian turned his back and he walked away to demonstrate his position that we lost our status as the Yama Nifchor. And today, Sedrit says, And we read last week in the Tzavim Vayelot, before Hashanah, What do you mean, Hashanah? God walked away from the Jewish people. It says in the Chumash, He took the Jewish people and he threw us out into Golas. That's what they say. We're no longer the Amanif. He picked us up and he threw us out. And goodbye, goodbye and good luck. I'm not interested in you anymore. That was what the Christians said. So then the, the king says, And what was your response? He says, not true. The fact that the Rabbanu Shalom keeps on punishing the Jewish people, there's no other nation in the world has suffered as much as the Jews. Obviously indicates that we are still the Yama Nifchar. God didn't pick us up and throw us away. If you read the Chumash, it says that's what the Goyim say. If you look in Parshish Nitzavim, so it says that Chumash predicts it's going to be a terrible holocaust. and going to be terrible, terrible. And the non-Jews will come and want them. What happened? Why did God wipe out the Jewish people? 
and they'll say, oh, the Jewish people must have violated the laws of their religion, and the Barishlam picked them up, and God threw them away. The Pesach says that's what the non-Jews will say. And then that parsha, that paragraph concludes. And then it says in the next paragraph, the very next paragraph from Parshas, uh, and Parshas Nitzavim says, and when, when the Jewish people will be sent into Golus, and then they'll be suffering in, in uh, Golus, then HaKadosh Baruch will bring them back from the country, you'll decide, you'll think about doing tshuva, it doesn't say in all the countries where God threw you. He didn't throw us. That's what the Goyim say. That he pushed us over there. So the Malbim points out in his commentary. The Goyim think, like the Christians, he, he picked us up and he threw us away. He lost our status as the Yaman Nifcha. The Barishlam says it's not true. Just like when we do God's mitzvah, so God is hugging us and he, and he shakes hands with us and he hugs us and he's very close to us. So when he pushes us into chutzlars, he's still touching us. He's right next to us. He's close to us. He didn't throw us away. There was never any cancellation of the status of the Yama Nifcha. The Jewish people remain the Yama Nifcha. With all of this suffering, Adar Rabbi, that's what the rabbi said. He raised his name and said, oh, the to you. The fact, what other nation in the world, who ever suffered so much? And survived. There were others who suffered in the Holocaust, but they didn't survive. The Jewish people are still around to talk about what other nations throughout the history of the world kept on suffering, suffering, and they're still around. It's only the Jewish people. So obviously, there's something unique. There's something very different, very special about these people. That itself indicates that we are the Am Hanif. I, but the Pasuk does say, Sof Kosof. It says, Haste Raste Ponai. It says, Histartik Ponai by Yamahu. And today's Sedrin, last week's Sedrin, Nitzavah Yelo. So the Mephorshim explained, Hester Panim doesn't mean that Rabbi Shalom doesn't look. Rabbi Shalom is hiding his face. We don't see him. It's like they quote the Pasuk in Shira Shirim. Mates it's Menacharakim. Like if somebody is, is looking through a crack in the door or a crack in the window, let's say the window is open slightly, and they can look in, they can see what's happening here, but we, when we look out, we can't see their face. Hester Panim means that God's face is hidden, we don't see him. We get the impression as if he's not around. He's looking, he's made his menacharak, and he's looking from outside. It doesn't mean that the Rabbani Shalom is not with us. The Rabbani Shalom is with us. We never lost our status as the Yam HaDifcha. It's obvious that we are the Yam HaDifcha. If you look in all the newspapers, the way they're in, in CNN, in the United Nations, whenever they're judging the nations of the world, they always judge the Jewish nation differently from the other nations of the world. Everybody knows if Goyim kill Goyim, nobody, nobody cares. If Jews kill Jews, nobody cares. If the Jews kill Goyim, if the Goyim kill the Jews, nobody cares. If the Jews kill a Goyim, then everybody starts screaming. You have no right, you're indecent, you're not allowed to kill. The Jews are not allowed to kill. I, for self-defense, no, no such thing as self-defense. There's a double standard. Obviously, there's a double standard. That's Od Yod and The Jewish people are clearly the Yama Nifcha. We are different from everybody else. Everybody knows we're different. The belt says like that on the Pasuk in, uh, in Chumash, in Chumash Bereshis, when Dina was violated by uh, Shechem. So Shimon and Levi were furious, and they wanted to wipe out all the people in the city. So they were conniving. So they first negotiated with the people in the city. They said, let everybody, how can we let our sister marry a non-Jew into marriage? It's against our religion. Let the young man convert to Judaism, and then he'll be able to marry our sister. 
So the, he, the young man convinced, Shechem convinced all the people in the city to convert. And after they all converted, they became Jewish. Then Shem went and they wiped out the whole city. So what was the pikris over here? What was the Be'orma? The Pesach says that they were conniving. What was the conniving shtick over here? So the belt says, if the Jews would have killed the Goyim, there would have been an uproar. The United Nations would have made a whole tumult. Once they all converted, so Jews killing Jews. And Afkamina, who cares? A couple, a couple of thousand Jews got killed. That's from Sheshis Mebreshis. That's the way it always was. Of course with the Yamanifka, no question about it. This double standard itself indicates that we are the Yamanifka. The Chumash always refers to the Jewish people as Banimatem Hashem Lakechem, Bini Bukhari Yisrael, we're the firstborn. In case anyone in Marami Prague points out, in case anyone might think that maybe some of the other nations of the world are also Banim Lamokum, which they're not described as so the Chumash says, B'ni Bechori, that we're the firstborn. There's only one Bechori in the family. We're the firstborn. It happens that the others are not called Bonim at all. So the Talmud in Kiddushin has a dispute between the Chachamim, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Huda. This description of Bonim Lamakim, does it only apply to the Jewish people when they observe God's mitzvahs? They act like children. They, they get along nicely with their father. Or does it even apply when they're nice in Sonosh when they violate the mitzvahs of Torah? So Rabbi Yudah is of the opinion that only when they're Oisim, Ritzonah, Shalmokim, when they keep the Torah and the Mitzvahs, they're referred to as Bonim. And Rabbi Meir disagrees. He says, whether Oisim, Ritzonah, Shalmokim, and Oisim, Ritzonah, Shalmokim, they're always Bonim, Lamokim. Usually, those who study, those who are familiar with Gemara, we know that usually uh, 95% of the cases where there's a dispute with, between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yudah, Halachic Rabbi Yudah, we accept the opinion of Rabbi Yudah. This is one of the exceptions to the rule that the accepted opinion is Rabbi Meir. We have adopted the position, the traditionally accepted view, is that of Rab Meir, that whether we are always called Bonim. And the proofs that Rab Meir quotes are all from, most of them are from today's Sedra. Bonim lo emun bom. They have absolutely no amuna whatsoever. Has the Pasuk, they lack amuna. Then the Pasuk says, kiasuni bahab lehem. How does the Pasuk say? Hashem is angered. By his bonim. He's angered by these children not be cursing and they're cursing God and they're cursing the Jewish religion. And he calls them his children. These are my children. You see, even if they're apikursim gemurim and they're cursing God and they're absolutely anti-religious. Anti, they don't want anybody else to be religious. They're trying to introduce in the Knesset. No one should, no one should observe. The Pesach still says that we're called bonim. And the Maomi Prag points out, the opinion of Rab Meir has been the accepted opinion. And even if one would have accepted the view of Rab Yudah, self self, it was a dispute. Even if one would follow the opinion of Rab Yudah, that the Jews are not considered Bonim, that goes on individual Jews. It doesn't refer to the Jewish nation, even if all the Jews are not observant, they're always referred to in Tanakh as Bonim Lamakim. So this special Hanhagir, of Lamailam and Ateva that we were zeichet to, that we were always zeichet to for thousands of years because of the fact that we are the Yam HaNifcham, we are the Banam Lamokham, there's something very different, is true today just as true as it used to be all the other thousands of years, even if one should assume that the overwhelming majority of the Jewish people are non-observant, anti-religious, apikurs, emishumadim, lahachetzianistin, whatever you want to call them, they're still Banam Lamokham. The Tanakh says they're still Banam Lamokham, whatever you have to say. The Rabbani Shalom promised he's still going to give this special Hanhoga uh, Nisus, this special Hanhoga of Lamaila Menateva. There is a beautiful comment that was made by the Chafetz Chaim on the Pasuk that we say every day in the Volat Zion. Pasuk says in Navi, Vani Brisi Oisam, Omar Hashem, Ruchi Hashem, Alechad Varsha, Samti 
So the Pasuk is, is Chavetzchaim pointed out, the Pasuk is very strange, it's awkward. It says, This is the nature of my covenant with the Jewish people, with those people, that they should continue learning Torah. Why does it say, It should say in Hebrew, I would have thought the correct Hebrew, I make a covenant with you. When you have a contract, so you need both parties have to consent to the contract, they have to both agree. So I need Brisi, Itam, with them. Oisam sounds like I'm forcing the covenant on them. So that's what the Chavetz Chaim said. The Rabbani Shalom said, whether we like it or not, he's forcing the covenant on the Jewish people. And even if, uh, even if there'll be Jews who'll be Mishumadim, Apikursim, Lahachas, Nikis, and they'll, they'll reject God, and they'll reject, they'll curse the religion, the next generation they'll come back. Even if you'll run away, your children will come back. Even if you have two, three generations, will run away. The Rebbe Shalom will see to it that the Torah is going to come back. A Jewish person cannot run away. It's in the genes, it's in the DNA, it's impossible. There's something there within our neshamas, within our makeup, that makes it impossible for the Jewish person to run away. What is that exactly? What is in the genes of the Jewish neshama? So the Pasuk tells us the Kreis' bris is the Torah. goes on liman Torah Torah saying over Torah. So Rav Soloveitchik was fond of pointing out the Agode, those who are familiar with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote a famous book on Jewish uh, philosophy that's called the Tanya. So the Tanya starts off with this passage from the Talmud that before every baby is born, the Malach teaches the baby the entire Torah. And then the Malach slaps the baby, makes him forget everything, so by the time he's born, he doesn't remember anything. So what does he, what does he waste his time? What, an act of futility. What did he teach him the whole Torah in the first place? Obviously, we must assume, Behechreyach, the passage in the Gemara doesn't make any sense unless you assume that something does remain. So what does remain? So we assume, tradition has it, that the Torah is not merely a collection of mitzvahs. You have to do, it's true, the Torah is a collection of mitzvahs, but it's not only a collection of mitzvahs. That's a Shabbos and Kashrus and Taras HaMishpacham and Oram Lamokham and Oram Chavero. It is also a representation of Chachmas HaShal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Hu V'Chachmas HaYechod. It's not like a human being, that when you have a little baby, he doesn't have any sechel as he grows older, he develops Chachmas. So the person is one, is one entity and the Chachmah that he has is something separate from him. And then when he gets older he becomes senile, so the person exists and the Chachmah has all evaporated. So the Chachmah is one thing and the essence of the person is something else. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is pure Chachmah. Hu And the Torah is a representation of Chachmah Baruch Hu. So the Malach teaches all the Jewish Neshamas, the boys and the girls, before they're born, by the time the baby is born, he causes the baby to forget everything. He wants the children to learn Torah, to work, to harve, to, to work in order to be matzliach and learning, to understand. But what is accomplished by the Malach teaching the Torah, at least every Jewish purpose, person should have what we call, what the Balatani calls in his book, an Abraham Suteres towards HaKadosh Baruch Every Jewish person has an innate love, a natural love towards HaKadosh Baruch Yes, we believe in what the philosophers of the non-Jewish world have developed the concept of tabula rasa, that when the baby is born, the mind is blank and there's no tendency to do mitzvahs or averis. That's as far as the non-Jewish world is concerned. That is correct. But as far as the Jews are concerned, we have halachas, not some 
rayonis. It's not some philosophy. We have halachas based on the assumption that there's an innate, there's a natural love, there's an Abba Hamasuteris implanted within the soul of every Jewish individual, even if he looks like an absolute apikuris amashuman alahachasdik. And you hear what he says. You hear what these people say in the Knesset. Your hair stands on end. They just had it in the newspapers. I think it was last week, a couple of weeks ago, they had uh, uh, Yossi uh, Balin participated in a Kriya Samazuza on one, on um, some community center in his, in his village. So the people, in the, the writers in the newspaper didn't understand what came over him. He was explaining the significance of the mezuzah and what it means for the Jewish people. Yossi Balin was explaining the significance. Azal HaChaznik. The answer is he also has. He also has a pintal yid. Everybody has. We all have that Abraham Suteris. That Abraham Suteris comes from the fact that the Malach teaches Kola Terakulo. It's interesting, these are Sarah's Shuvah that we were speaking about earlier, that Rabbi Rosenzweig uh, spoke about, that these days are more Mesugal to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it easy. Dear Hashem Behimotzah, when he's more accessible, he's, he makes himself more accessible on Sarah's Shuvah, so that Mabit writes in his Sefer, Beis HaLakim, an interesting idea. The Indian of Aseris and Meitshuva, that these ten days are special, God is more accessible, that's not Meyuchah, that's not specific to the Jewish people. That applies to the non-Jewish world as well. The Rabbani Shalom created Adam Arishan, and Rosh Hashanah and Nivra Ha'olam, means Adam Arishan was created, that was the sixth day of creation, the, crea- the creation, the first day of creation was, was a week earlier, so Adam Arishan was created on Rosh Hashanah, and the Rabbani Shalom, when he created man, implanted within him a Yetzirah, so the Pasuk says that ain't it's understood. The Rebbe Shalom implanted within us a Yetzirah. Of course we're going to sin. The Talmud has a tradition that the Rebbe Shalom is going to shech the Yetzirah, and that'll be the end. So there won't be any more Yetzirah. That's going to be Lossi Lovah. We're not holding by Lossi Lovah, we're holding by Lamazen now. So there's still a Yetzirah. So it's understood. The Rebbe Shalom knows it's going to be uh, sin. So that's why the Talmud has a tradition. This is one of the motifs that's repeated in the Slichas every day, that there are seven things that God created before, before he created the world. So one of the seven things that he, that he created before he created the world was the Koyach Tshuva, the concept of Tshuva. Because he wanted to create man with a Yetzirah, with the Bechirah Havshitz, with a Yetzirah. He's going to create with a Yetzirah. He's going to sin. Once in a while we're going to sin. So if he's not going to give a Koyach Tshuva, so it'll be impossible for the world to have a Kiyom. So he had to create, before he created this world, he had to build in had to have built into the system of the world the Indian of Tshuva. So when the Rabbi Shalom created Adam Arishon, the first day, Rosh Hashanah, so the first ten days after he was created, were designated by the Rabbi Shalom from day number one. These are the Aseris he made Tshuva for the Jews and non-Jews, for everybody alike. It's for everybody. But the fact that Yom Kippur is the Yom Echilos Licha, that's not for the Yom Asylum. That's only for B'nai Yisrael. What's Miyuchud, what's unique about Yom Kippur? Because the Kaingodal goes into the Holy of Holies. Why is it the Holy of Holies? What's unique? What's special about the Holy of Holies? What's special? That's where the Aaron Kodesh is with the Luchas, with the Sefer Torah. What's special about Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is the Yom Matan Torah. We always think that Shavuot is Yom Matan Torah. Yeah, that's when the Rabbanish proclaimed the Aseris Adibris. But when did Moshe Rabbeinu come down from Har Sinai with the, with the tablets, with the Shnei Luchas Abris? First he came down on Shabbat Shabbat Tammuz and he smashed the Luchas. Because he wasn't happy with what was going on. When did he come down the second time around with the luchas that, were, that lasted throughout all the centuries? 
That was on Yom Kippur. So the Mishnah records in the end of Tainus that Yom Kippur was one of, historically, was one of the two jolliest days in the, in the calendar. The, the other day was Hamishah Sabah and Yom Kippur. That's when they made all the Shidduchim. That's when one of the opinions in the Rishonim says, why do we lay in Mincha Yom Kippur? We lay in Parshas Harayas. We read about the prohibited marriages because they used to make all the Shidduchim on Yom Kippur. So everybody should keep in mind whom they have, which relatives they're permitted to marry, which relatives they're not allowed to marry. Why was Yom Kippur designated? Why was Hamishah Sabah designated as at such a jolly day? So the Talmud gives the whole historical uh, background, six different reasons. They're not sure. They give six different reasons. What was Yom Kippur unique? What's special about Yom Kippur? Well, says simple. Yom Kippur is the Yom Matan Torah. That's when the Luchas is when Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Luchas. And that's exactly why Yom Kippur is the day of Mechilo Slicha. The way to come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is through Limar HaTorah. That's why the Malach teaches us Torah before we're all born. That we all should develop this. We should all have this Ahav HaMusu Torah towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's what we mean when we say in the davening. The blessing that we recite in the Shemon Esri, that Hashem is Harotzeh B'Tshuvah, He appreciates when man does Tshuva, so we introduce that bracha, give us the opportunity to learn more Torah, in order that we should be able to do Tshuva. So obviously, the rabbis assume, the rabbis who composed the blessing, assume that learning Torah will lead a person to do Tshuva. The rabbis in the Medrash write like that, that if a person is interested in doing Tshuva, the method that he should adopt should be if he goes to Shia once a week, let him go twice a week. If he spends two hours a week, let him spend four hours a week. Let him learn more. When a person learns more Torah, this will bring him to have a better appreciation of HaKadosh Baruch because the Torah is Chachmas Yishol HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It represents the Chachma of HaKadosh Baruch And it's not enough that we should learn Torah. We read and we recite in Kriyashma every day. We have to ask Hashem Alakecha. We have to love God. How do you love God? So the Chavis Alvavis has this famous uh, comment that the mitzvahs can be divided into two categories. They have Chavis Alvavis and Chavis Alvavis, the obligations you have to perform with your body. You have to eat matzah, you have to sit in sukkah, you have to blow shoifah, you, you have to do all these mitzvahs. Now you have Chavis Alvavis, mitzvahs that you have to fulfill in your heart. So usually we assume, Havas Hashem, that's a Chavis Alvavis, that's a mitzvah that you fulfill in your heart. You have a sense of love towards HaKadosh Baruch So the Rambam in the Sefer HaMitzvah quotes the Gemara in the end of Yuma. The Gemara says in Yuma, yeah, that's half of the story. That love of HaKadosh Baruch is a Chavis Alvavis, but it's also a Chavis Alvavim. There's something that you have to do to demonstrate your love for God. How does one demonstrate? If I love God, if I really truly love God, I want everybody in the world to love that God. I want to get everybody to be religious. They don't have to convert to become Jews. I want everybody to recognize the greatness of God. I want all the Jews to be observant, and I want HaKadosh Baruch to be recognized by all the people in the world. We see a lot of times religious parents, orthodox parents, they're afraid to let their children sit and learn the yeshiva. They don't want the children to be more religious than they are. They don't want the children to learn more than they are. What's wrong? What does it bother you? If the parents are afraid, the kid is going to become a battle, he'll never he won't be able to make a living. He's becoming removed from reality. He sits and he loves an yeshiva, he doesn't know what's happening, he doesn't listen to the news, doesn't read the newspaper, he's going to become a nut, he's going to be, have a nervous breakdown. So there's what to be nervous about. No one's having any nervous breakdown. The kid is going to work for them, he's going to become a lawyer, a doctor, an Indian chief, he's going to become make a panas, no problem. What does it bother the parent if the kid has become a Talmud Chacham also? 
He'll become a Tamachacham also. What does it bother them if he knows how to learn better? The Chazal have a tradition. People are always jealous of other people's accomplishments, unless it's my children. My children, they're the greatest. My children, they, they surpassed my greatness. Or Talmidoi, my students. How do you think they became so great? Because I was their Rebbe. Every, every parent looks at his children, every Rebbe looks, if he's a normal person, you have sometimes parents who hate their children. Sometimes they're, they're jealous of their children. That's not normal. Like the Nabi says, Does it ever happen that a mother hates a child? Once in a while that happens also, but that's unusual. Normal parents, they love their children. And normal Rabbim, they love their Talmudim. They consider their children an extension of themselves. They consider their Talmudim as an extension of themselves. So what does it bother the parents? If the children will be more observant than them, or they'll be more learned than them, they don't love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They don't want that everybody should love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that everybody should be more learned. A normal parent would want that his children should learn Shichtai Gibber. The G'daylam in Europe, Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik always used to say, my son, Rabbi Moshe he knows how to learn better than me. And Rabbi Soloveitchik used to say about his son, Rabbi Yosheba, my son knows how to learn better. All the, all the famous Rabbonim, they were all so proud to say that my son, he surpassed my greatness in learning and in Sitkis and Ishmiris and Mitzvahs and Yerushamayim. We should all want that. If we really love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you have to say, Shem HaKadosh is a mitzvah, not only Chayvah's Halvah, it's not only a mitzvah to fulfill in your heart. Yeah, I love God. It's a mitzvah to do a chavisayvarim. Shehei shem shemayim misayv al yadecha. How do you do that? You get other people to learn Torah. We have there's so many unaffiliated Jews. There's so many Jews who are mamish so far off. They're intermarried. It's, they're holding by intermarriage. We have to do something to get all of these people back. We have to show that we really love Hakadosh Baruch Hu by having shehei shem shemayim misayv al yadecha. The way to come back to Hakadosh Baruch Hu is by learning Torah. That's how we daven, hashiveinu avinu l'saraseho, v'korveinu malkeinu l'avodaseho. We have to, if we're interested in really doing shuva, everybody knows what he does that's wrong. If we want to straighten ourselves out, we all have what to straighten out. Some have major issues, some have minor issues, everybody has what to straighten out. If a person wants to straighten himself out, the way to do it is by getting a little more into learning Torah. That's how we become closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have to see the way that we get our children to learn. And even if the children will be more learning than we are. So, Adarabe, this should be our pride and our joy. We should be happy about that. We have to get all the people in the neighborhood to learn. Even if we ourselves can't, we're busy earning a living, doing other things, whatever. So get other people to learn. There's so many unaffiliated people, so many, uh, so many other people so intermarried on the campuses. There's shmad going on all over. We have to do something. That's where we have to demonstrate that we love HaKadosh Baruch I want to wish everybody a good gibbench. We should all be blessed with the Shnaschaim of Rocha Vishon.